the Rethinking Learning Podcast. I'm Barbara Gray, and this is where I have conversations on learning with inspirational educators, thought leaders, and difference makers. I am so happy to have someone here from Coquitlam. Did I say that right? Coquitlam. Coquitlam uh, in British Columbia. I just love this lady. I am so excited to have you here, Patricia Gartland. Well, it's so wonderful to talk to you, Barbara, because we've been great friends ever since we met at ISTE. It's been a long time, too. Yeah, Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, that was wonderful. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later because I want to introduce you first to my audience. Is that okay? That would be lovely. Thank you. It's Patricia Gartland. She's been superintendent of schools for school district number 43, Coquitlam, since 2015. And that is in British Columbia. And it's the third largest school district with over 32,000 students, 4,000 employees, 70 schools and facilities. Oh, my. You're busy. <laughs> yes, it's, it's uh, exciting and fun. I know a lot of the people from meeting you. I've met so many wonderful people in your district. And, oh, this is, I can't wait to talk about more of it. But there's one other thing that I want to share, especially that we hope we talk about, is that you've instituted something that's become one of the most successful revenue-generating international education programs in all of British Columbia. Am I right? Uh, that's Yes, that's the case. We have a very successful international program and a very wide global network of schools and students and families. Oh, gosh, we're going to talk about that. Thank you so much for being here, Patricia. This is so wonderful. Thank you, Barbara, for inviting me. It's just an honor and a privilege. You know, this is about conversations, but it's all about you. <laughs> and uh, what I want to find out is about your background. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Well, we were, we're kind of a family who traveled across Canada until we got to the West Coast and decided never to leave because the climate is so beautiful here. And uh, it, you know, I was born in Toronto and lived all kind of across Canada. Did your family get jobs out in the West Coast or how, what happened? My parents met in Montreal and married there. And then uh, my father got transferred. Uh, he was a civil engineer in Toronto, Regina, Edmonton, and then Vancouver. And uh, my mother was a, a nurse. And so he finally bought the company. And then he got to design uh, equipment for the logging industry and so on. So, oh, entrepreneur. Yes. Well, what was that like for you being a child with your father being an entrepreneur? And you know. Well, I think that's probably one of the reasons uh, I started the International Education Program and it became so successful. I think some of the entrepreneurial spirit rubbed off on me, but I think entrepreneurial spirit is a big part of what we need to develop in our children for the 21st century because entrepreneurship is really about creativity and problem solving mm -hmm. and um, creative solutions to problems in the world that be often become businesses or other opportunities. You saw that from your father. What was it like for you as a student? Did this impact you in this, you know, because school systems were really, really, when you were growing up, probably didn't encourage entrepreneurship, right? Or 
did they? Well, I think my father being a civil engineer certainly made me very good at math and interested (laughs) in math. And that's another important skill for the 21st century. But for some reason, maybe it was from moving all the time when I was young, I was very interested in other cultures and languages. Mm -hmm. And uh, language was really my passion. And so I always wanted to think of a way to be an educator, but also be an entrepreneur. International education was was the opportunity to bring those two together. Wow. So when did that, I mean, did you make that decision very early on? I mean, did you learn a different language right away? Because you grew up on the East Coast, kind of. Did you learn French? And Yes, well, we studied uh, French in school starting in grade five, and we actually had started in grade three. Oh. And then I studied every language that they offered at our high school. So at that time, French, Spanish, and German. And then when I went on to the University of British Columbia, I studied German, Italian, and French language and literature. So I had to switch languages every block (laughs) and also read literature in all the languages and write essays in all the languages and, and then travel every year to keep up my skill. You speak French, Spanish, German, and Italian? And yes. English? <laughs> and English. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you said you traveled to, is this part of your education? Did you go or did you go on your own with your family? Or Well, I, the excuse was to really develop my skill in, in the languages, but I would travel every summer to Europe and just, you know, four month summer break when you're going to university. So I wow. think that was a transformational experience. And I really think study abroad is is a key experience for all students to have to really appreciate the variety and the beauty of the world and learn about opportunities that there can be in life. And mm. so traveling, I think, to me was what really changed my life wow. and, and shaped who I became. You know, we never talked about this when I was talking to you. This is really interesting because because uh, you learned these languages as an adult, many of them, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I honed them. I mean, I started in grade eleven, so uh-huh. yes, you're still quite. It's not like immersion, uh-huh. but I think you can become fluent in a language if you learn it later in life. If you really have a passion for that, and hmm. if you become immersed in in the language and culture. That's really good to know because I have a real tough time with languages. So that would be, I, you and I are going to talk after. <laughs> well, I think, you know, with yeah. languages and math, it's mm-hmm. it's a bit of a mental block, right? People oh, think that they yeah. can't can't be successful, but actually when you open your mind to it and let it in, you can be very successful. I didn't have any exposure in my family life to other languages other than that my mother had a reading knowledge of French because when they learned French, it was really, you know, the teacher didn't speak French. And of course, in Canada, French is the uh, other official language. And we had Mm -hmm. a big push to start immersion. And so I became a French immersion teacher. And that gave me an opportunity to speak French all day while living in, in Vancouver, in Coquitlam. So uh, I, that was very attractive to me, to be able to speak another language all day while at work. And then now that the world has become so globalized, these skills are really appreciated. Uh-huh. People are realizing how important it is to know other languages and really have global competencies uh, to be successful. Yes. And 
And, uh, you know, that's something we want to develop in our children is those global competencies. And it has been recognized by the OECD that global competencies are a key to the future, you know, intercultural understanding, understanding different perspectives and worldviews, understanding the beauty and diversity of different cultures and being um, successful working with people from around the world in different contexts wow. and in different roles. You know, that's interesting because, uh, you know, as a immersion teacher, you know, French immersion teacher, it's a whole different thing because you're talking about the culture and you're living the culture. You're encouraging kids, even at a young age, right, to speak and write. It's it's the way I would love, I would love that in, you know, every school at a very young age to learn another language like that. I wish they did that more. Yes, I think, well, there are, I think there's a lot of immersion, uh, you know, Spanish immersion, for example, in the United States. And, you know, they've done studies and found that really learning another language develops your brain, develops the agility of your brain and helps you to separate language from thinking and understand how to formulate your thoughts in different ways. So it's beneficial just to study a language, even if you don't end up really using it in your daily life. But if you have another language, it's more likely that you will have many more opportunities in this world because uh, people are traveling all the time now and, and working in different parts of the world and coming to visit our parts of the world. And really, if you can interact and um, work with people from around the world, you're going to be more successful and have far more opportunities in your life. Oh, I agree. I mean, for me, I've been able to travel for work and um, actually visit schools and, and even stay in people's homes. And I was lucky to even go to Russia at one point and do some work there and had to learn a little bit of the language. It's kind of, and when I went to New Zealand, they had me learn uh, Maori and introduce myself with a, a greeting they do. And I had to do it in, in the Maori language, which really changed me because I had to think in a whole different way. What you're talking about is because of global competence that we need this now, the idea of encouraging a study abroad is really, you know, it's just wonderful. But I want to just go back a little bit about your own journey, because did you start as a, te- uh, a French immersion teacher? You've gone through several different uh, roles, and I just want to figure out the the order of it. Well, As I say, there are many different opportunities when you speak another language. So at that time, it was hard to um, be hired full-time with a continuing contract as a teacher. And I was hired immediately, never had to um, substitute or be a a teacher on call for even a a day of my life because of my fluency in French. I was, and there was such a need for French immersion teachers, and there still is. You know, French immersion is more popular than ever. Um, But I was always interested in whatever was kind of cutting edge and what the future held. So I was also very interested in multiculturalism and cultural initiatives and, you know, founded the the multiculturalism committee and and wrote my master's uh, thesis on on multicultural anti-racism policies. But I also was interested in technology 
And that was a time when, you know, the Apple, uh, Apple Works and Apple II were all coming <laughs> in. And, and actually the Mac came in in 1984, the Macintosh mm-hmm. computer. And so I was at the district level as a coordinator and taught students and teachers how to uh, use computers and how to... Uh, program with logo, Terrapin logo, you'll remember. <laughs> I did that too. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's another language, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we see now how important coding is and how important it is for um, everyone to be able to work in this technological world and reality that we're in. And, uh, you know, we were looking at that way back when, and, you know, that was a very creative opportunity too. I'm I'm the kind that as soon as I saw the first computer, I needed to take it apart and put it back together again. I needed to know how to do DOS and then started coding and doing turtle logo. Remember that? Exactly. Yeah, I just loved it. I just loved it. So it is a language. I guess my brain worked that way. And, and but, it was easier to take computers apart then because the yeah. motherboards would overheat and you had to push all the chips back in right yeah. by hand, right? Uh, um, I felt, yeah, I was one of the people that they would say, if they can't fix it, call Barbara. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you were that way too. Exactly. So what were some of the other roles? You were the French immersion teacher and you started this committee, but there were some other things you went through. I mean, I, I remember talking to you about that. Program coordinator for technology implementation and also for languages. I did both of those separately at different times, been a teacher librarian. But then then I went into administration and, you know, became a vice principal and principal. And, you know, I've spent half my career um, at the elementary level and half of my career at the high school level. And then when I came to the board office, uh, I really came in charge of reorganization of our district into middle schools, because before that we had K-7 to elementary schools, junior highs and senior highs, 8 to, 12, 8 to 10, 11, 12. And then we reorganized the school district into grade 6 to 8 middle schools and grade 9 to 12 high schools. And that was a fantastic um, process hmm. and uh, really beneficial in terms of children's developmental stages and being able to meet the needs of those middle years students more effectively through the middle school model. And I also did the communications for the school district. So um, then at that point, that's <laughs> when I proposed uh, the international education program to the superintendent at that time. And then, um, you know, started connecting with all of our many communities and people around the world and inviting students from around the world to study in Coquitlam School District. So when was that, when you started that program? Because that, I thought you did that after you were superintendent, but you're saying you did it before. Oh, that was May 9th, 1999. Wow. Right? So that was 20 years ago. Wow. And I'm still very involved in that because delegations come all the time to visit our schools and and we not only, you know, invite students to attend school and graduate, but we also have delegations come from overseas on a regular basis and we offer teacher and principal training programs as well with our expert teachers. For principals and other leaders to come from other countries, you mean? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about that. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you do? Well, we have our our expert teachers have, um, you know, planned 
lesson plans re- regarding their instructional practices because British Columbia is quite well known for its uh, 21st century learning curriculum and our, our transformation of education to meet the needs of students uh, in the 21st century, you know, the class of 2030 and so on. And mm. so um, when teacher groups want to learn about our instructional practices and how to make learning more participatory, uh, we devise customized programs for them and then they come and study with us and visit our schools, interact with our educators. And it's again for for the, the staff, it's a very wonderful professional development experience to learn about uh, other cultures and other practices around the world and through that um, really hone their skills and reflect on their own practice. And we also, uh, during breaks like uh, spring break and summer break, we send our teachers and principals overseas as well. Can I go into a little detail about this? Because this is so unique. I don't know that many districts that are doing it this way. I really, I mean, maybe, maybe there are, but this is, I, I knew about when students were coming, but I didn't know about the teachers and mm-hmm. the seniors. So what is the, um, when you bring principals and senior teams or to Coquitlam, how long did they come over for and how do you assign them? And Well, it's, they, they really determine how long they're able to stay and what their focuses are. Okay. Um, it's two weeks to two months usually. And I think it is a bit unique. Often universities provide teacher training programs, but the thing is that they don't have the actual schools or practitioners at the universities, and we do. So we really are able to have teachers and principals from overseas interact with teachers and principals here and discuss practice and then also observe and see what's happening in our schools. So, you know, it's, it is unique and it's very valuable and appreciated by both sides, the overseas teachers and principals and our own teachers and principals. And so uh, we customize that in terms of uh, grade level. So they might want to learn about early learning practices or they might be high school physics teachers. So it really depends on what their interest is. This is amazing. This is just what I, I'm just sitting there blown away because I've talked to you, but never really knew that this was going on because this is like real personal professional learning. Yes, it's around it's, what it's you customized. need. It's customized. It's very customized. And personalized, exactly. And we work out exactly what um, they're interested in focusing on. And then we match that all up and devise a program. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. See, we just need to see each other more often, Barbara. I definitely, well, we, <laughs> we, we, we had one, our first time we met, we, I think we spent four hours together over some wine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about a lot of other things, but this is just, you know, professional learning is something that uh, is close to my heart. This is what I do. And, but I also realized that to personalize professional learning is that you really need to be immersed in it, just like you're talking about where you have, I mean, I've been asked to come and do a keynote and then I leave and that's a sit and get, I don't like those, you know, I really want to see more. I mean, maybe I can do the inspiration and then they can come and do others, but I really feel that they need it deeper, like what you're doing. Right. Well, 
Well, everyone in the world is struggling with how to have all children succeed and really have a very participatory, personalized environment for students. So it's great to share practice internationally and figure out the best way to ensure that all children are successful. And there are so many more opportunities now for children, especially with technology. You know, you'll hear of children who are just starting their own companies and doing that on the side through the internet and online. And, and you know, there's so many ways for creativity to be appreciated and valued now. Oh, yes. I mean, I was at the Inacol, which is now... Uh, Aurora Institute. It was a conference and they had a student panel. And some there is this one child, he's sixth grade, who was amazing. <laughs> he basically said, you're not doing it right. You got to change what you're doing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. there were 3000 people in the audience and they asked him, what would you tell the teachers? And he says, you need to listen to us. We, we're we're changing. We we have some ideas and we can do some things. And so I think being able to be open to what is needed, especially with the global competencies, it's so important to really understand this new generation that they do need to work internationally. They need to have the global competence that you mentioned. Well, in the framework for enhancing student learning in British Columbia, they added another factor, which is student agency. And student agency is also highlighted in the OECD um, learning compass. And we really have always had, well, since the late 90s, a student leadership council in our district. And now there are two groups, a middle school student leadership council for the whole district and high school student leadership council. And they develop leadership skills um, for themselves and also play a leadership role regarding various issues in our school district. Uh, They attend board meetings and meet with our board and they have a real voice in our school district. And it, it is seen more and more the importance of student agency and student taking control of their own learning. So, for example, in terms of the the competencies, um, which is a big focus, again, of the BC curriculum. So uh, critical and creative thinking, communication and collaboration, uh, positive personal and cultural identity, personal awareness and responsibility and social responsibility. Students are self-assessing on their pathway uh, regarding those competencies. And that student self-assessment is on the report cards to parents. So the teachers had to learn how to change and make it competency-based report cards instead of grading the traditional way, right? Yes, that that's a, a fa- there are also traditional measures. There are the curricular competencies, but the competencies in those areas I just mentioned are the core competencies, and they're important in terms of learning across all curriculum. Well, that what you're doing is you're teaching them to learn how to learn and exactly. how to own their learning, so they can. You know, when you own it and you can drive it, you're, you advocate for what you need. Exactly. And you yeah. gain independence and mm-hmm. confidence. Well, we're both on the same track here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that we don't have, we need to have teachers from the United States be part of your program. <laughs> do they do that? Are there some that go through this? Well, we haven't done that yet, but we would love to. 
It just seems <laughs> like it would be a great way yeah. to, I mean, you're not that far away. And, we're incredibly uh, close. <laughs> yes, we're very close. And the issue is professional learning has to change. And I always say it's you have to go outside to really, you know, visit other schools. And even I, some teachers are siloed. And they don't even go outside of their own classroom and go next door. I mean, we need to really open our doors and understand that we can't do this alone. We can learn from so many others. Yes, and we need to have opportunities to collaborate and learn professionally. And we really make a big investment in the professional learning of our teachers and principals and vice principals. Um, For example, I meet every two weeks with all of the principals and vice principals at a learning without boundaries meeting, we call it. And and um, principals that are very involved in shaping those meetings, and they're really professional development where we bring in different speakers and we talk about different aspects of the curriculum and really focus on our own learning. Because in this new century, there it's transformational, the change that we have to implement in so many ways. And so we really have to keep working together. Right this morning before I spoke with you, I was visiting our, our families of schools who were meeting and talking about um, different topics around the new curriculum and how that's working in their schools, the new reporting. We have a, in our province, we have what's called MyEdBC, which is a, a province-wide uh, student administration system, your student information system. So all that information is gathered actually by the province, but we also have our report cards, our attendance, everything is in that system so that the ministry has good information about the progress of our province. You mentioned a whole bunch of things I'm going to probably ask you. Can we, because we put a blog post together with some of this information, but also maybe a link to some of the things you're doing. I think like I said, I, I I visited other countries, but a lot of teachers don't have that opportunity. A lot of principals don't. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity. In fact, you go to Hangzhou, China, right? Yes. <laughs> tell me, let's tell our, my audience a little bit about that and what you're doing there. Well, uh, we, it depends on the relationships we have. You know, we have different education bureaus and schools we work with in other countries and and many in China. And in Hangzhou, uh, our teachers have gone and, and spent some time they all spread out to different schools and spend time in those schools talking about and doing presentations on how they teach. Um, English, for example, is a big focus because, um, you know, otherwise you'll only have a reading knowledge of English if you don't really have a lot of participation. But they share a lot of their practices um, in the, in the schools in Hangzhou. And then when they return, they always say that it was the best experience they've ever had, the best mm-hmm. professional development they've ever had. And it's really given them renewed enthusiasm for their work. Oh, this is amazing. And one of the things you mentioned that it's a successful revenue generating program, the idea that you're doing this type of professional learning is what everybody needs and they'll be willing to pay for it. If that if they have that opportunity to really immerse themselves with leaders from other countries and also uh, you know really have that participatory experience that you mentioned, right, and develop long term relationships as well. 
Hmm. Do they come back? Do some people that go once and then are they, do you see? They do. And often, you know, they also are promoted in their own country because they become real instructional leaders and then they become vice principals and principals and so on. Patricia, this is amazing. (laughs) It's it's very interesting. I'm leaving for China on Saturday, so. I know, that's how we got it in today. We wanted to talk before you left. But I do have to say, this is, it's one of those programs that I think the world needs to know about because the idea that we're sharing ideas at all levels, we, we, we realize that because the world is changing so fast, we just don't know enough. Exactly. It's it's hard to, we know what elements will be there in the future, but how it will all come together and really transform the daily experience of life, we're not certain because we know that the change is going to be exponential. So we know what the elements are, but we don't know how they'll be fulfilled. So we just have to be ready for everything, be open-minded, be resilient, be good problem solvers, be concerned about world issues, uh, try to make a difference, um, you know, have an impact and be entrepreneurial and uh, hmm. hopefully we'll make the world a better place. And I think part of that too is by building friendships around the world. <laughs> I, w- I could keep talking to you forever, but what you just said was a great way of pulling it all together. It, it's just building friendships around the world. We sure need that now. Are you planning on making this any diff- bigger or any other changes that you see coming or is just sustaining what you have? I think what we've done really is with my interest in technology, we've really woven and the importance of technology in the world of today, we've really woven that into a lot of the work we do internationally. So a lot of our speaking is about how to use technology in support of teaching and learning. And Mm. that's a tremendous interest around the world. So we've been able to combine both passions into one, you know, goal of helping people use technology while transforming their instructional practices. You know, there's a new thing that uh, France just banned, you know, cell phones Mm -hmm. in the classroom. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I th- I think when I think when you do anything, you should understand. You know, start with the end in mind and understand yeah. why you're doing it. You know, if there's a valid reason, um, we want students to be thoughtful users of machines and technology. Understand them. Understand the limitations. Be able to use technology appropriately, and mm-hmm. be great critical thinkers. So, if having technology around helps you achieve that goal. Um, But if there's some reason that they don't want some kind of technology around, maybe they have a purpose and a reason for that. To me, I agree with you. I feel like um, they're going to use it anyway after school. And so if they learn how to use it appropriately and also have consequences if they don't, they understand that this could cause problems if you don't know how to use it right. Mm -hmm. So I really, I agree with you on that. I learned a lot, a lot about you. <laughs> Even though I know you, I just learned some new things and this is and I want I want to learn more about the professional learning opportunities and share those with others cuz I think it's amazing. Well, thank you for asking, Barbara.
Oh, well, this has been wonderful. <laughs> I'm so glad you were here today and that you took time before you're leaving for China. Of so course. <laughs> you're always a priority for me. You know that. Uh, well, we definitely have to have more time together and uh, you have a safe trip and I will be checking in with you again. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Patricia. Thank you, Barbara. And let's, let's keep uh, leading the world in terms of technology and the future and the beautiful future we'll create together. Oh, sounds wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Patricia Gartland. Make sure you check out the complimentary blog post about Patricia and her awesome story, along with resources and links. I hope you subscribe to my podcast so you can listen at any time from anywhere. I really welcome your review and would love it if you share out the post with the podcast. By the way, you can also subscribe to my website, barbarabray.net, to receive announcements and updates so you don't miss any of the conversations.